This is Scott Pilgrim vs. The Minute 40. Welcome to the Scott Pilgrim vs. The Minute podcast, the show where we review and analyze the movie Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, one minute at a time. He's too old for us, Dave Castile. Huh. I don't know, you might be the oldest one here, I don't know. <laughs> and it's just not going to work out. Sam Brown. It never does. And he wants to invite us over for dinner, Dave Campfield. Hey, do you guys like uh, broccoli sprouts? We, I, I don't know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, I'll see you at nine then. <laughs> I'll be right there. <laughs> On my way. So we pick up uh, this minute here with uh, Knives uh, asking Scott to take her to the TCAT show, and he replies li- saying, yeah, listen. So we go right from there. Knives wants to invite Scott over for dinner, and Scott replies, like Chinese food? <laughs> <laughs> that was sad. <laughs> And this is kind of going That's back not to so bad. <laughs> I know, That's but this not <laughs> so technically <laughs> anything they serve. But but this is like but, us but saying. They, but then you realize later, yeah. no, yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, kind of like what we were saying a couple of minutes ago with him talking about gaying up the place. It's just yeah, but that was in context. This one was over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she doesn't she doesn't hear it as much as he ignores everything. She ignores everything he says too. Right. It's like. Kind like, of if you if you imagine someone else saying these same things, you imagine a Donald Trump saying these things, <laughs> it feels so much different. <laughs> the same words, he says you know, it in it the just, book. Yeah. He just gets away with it by being yeah. so meek, I guess. Yeah. yeah so the that's... point is, it it wasn't like this was invented for the movie either. This right. is Scott's character as written, right? So it was in the book. Yeah, he does say that, and she says, "No, to meet my parents, it's my birthday dinner." So she'll be 18. Oof. I, I was going to ask, I wrote that down. Is she going to be 18 now? That's uh, got to be, right? She's 17. Because then that works it out okay for all the other guys that she'll be dating. I That's guess. a good point. It's like, I want you to <laughs> be like three, three days into this. Because... Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, this, we're just a few days in, even though, like, that's the thing, too. I guess this, this movie gives the appearance of it happening over a couple of weeks when, you know, the books portray it. This happens over a year, course of a year. But uh, yeah, so she's going to be 18 soon is what that line is saying. And uh, Scott thinks it's a really bad idea. And, and she kind of like, this is like we were just saying, she doesn't hear what he's saying. And she's like, no, it's okay. But then she's like, well, wait, why? And that's where he uh, relays that he's too old for her. And she says, no, you're not. Her dad is nine years older than her mom. And I'm kind of thinking, so she's putting the relationship forward. Yeah, she is like, way down there in her thought process of where their relationship is. Mom and dad is, you know, these are married people. So she's like, you know, she's thought yeah. that far down the road. And he asks, are you even allowed to date outside your race or whatever? <laughs> the number of times that Scott says whatever in this conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, man, look at my notes. I wrote that down a lot. <laughs> any Any chance that he was purposefully doing this to piss her off so that she would be like, I can't believe you just said that and, and give him the, I think Scott doesn't know how to handle this. I, are you, but are you suggesting Dave Castile that Scott is passive aggressive? Because I'd certain, <laughs> certainly say he is. 
What do you think I'm suggesting? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm suggesting what you are. I'm just <laughs> articulating in a different way. Yeah, yeah. I, I would um, say I would agree. Oh, I would not. I would say it's more that he's trying to bring up the potential problems in their relationship so that when he breaks the news to her, it's almost like trying to get her to break up with him. You know, trying to well, make it. It's, uh, that's what I was saying, but, but, to but do as it opposed more to pissing her the... off, more just explain, explain the differences. So you're like we're really just not right together. So maybe we should just yeah. call it. I okay. think he was trying to explain more that way, but it was coming out as some of the things well, he said if easily he can could have get pissed her, her on his side to say, oh, if 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 she can see the same reasons, like yeah, there is a big age difference. We're not yeah. in the same place right now. Like all those mm-hmm. those reasons you give for something not working out when it's still early in the relationship and you don't have other you don't have conflict yet. But but she brings you're it looking there. for these like outside reasons. But then she says she doesn't care because she's in love. And you get the pink smoky letters kind of just drift out of her mouth. To the point where Scott has to swipe him out of his face. That, that which move is where he swats him away is great. <laughs> it was that may have been of all the dick things he's done. That may have been the biggest dick thing he has done, where he was just right whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of all the, yeah. Like I don't want your love polluting my face right now. It was well. It was. I mean, that was the whatever. Um, I mean, she just poured her heart out. She, right. I mean, those are those are rough words to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, they're a little easier when you're 17 and days away from 18, but sure. they are, you know, in, uh, in your first relationship, yeah, it comes yeah. out a little smoother the first time. So, it, is there any significance to the the? Uh, so I have issues with colors. To me, it's pink, um, but it's yeah. the exact same color as if you look at the stand-up of TCAD behind them there in the store. That there's smoke around them and the little cardboard stand up that is the exact same color. I'm not sure it's. No, I miss that. I I, I see what you're saying. I look for this. This is a scene I look for a lot in because we've been in this record store before and we've seen a ton in here before and there's nowhere near as much this time as we saw the last time. I'll give you a detail that I don't know. That no one's called out yet. And that is the music playing in the background in this scene Mm -hmm. is the Clash of Demon Head song Black Sheep that we hear later. Which is I love that know, my favorite song from this movie. Yep, the yeah, that was the, uh, Metric did that one, yep, right? Metric. Yeah, I like Metric. Good stuff. And there's another song in the background. I guess the song changes, or there's conflicting. No, it's on your head. Wait, what is it? Well, another thing, another <laughs> trivia I read was in the scene. No, because I, I did hear that um, the song, uh, the Clash of Demon Head song, but. Uh, there's another song. It says in the scene where Scott finally breaks up with Knives in the Record Store, an instrumental version of Anthems for a 17-Year-Old Girl by Broken Social Scene is playing in the background. So did the song shift? or is I, person... I think once he actually did, and because there's, there's, a, there's a significant visual scene where it goes black behind her, right. the, the music changes at that point. So that might be what um, it is. If I'm, if I'm okay. not mistaken. Because that was, I mean, that was a big visual... Her world around her no longer exists. Right, and the two um, of them are. She in just the... confessed her love, and within seconds, he he, yeah, whatever, you know, he he blew it away, and and her world doesn't exist. Heartbroken, um, and she says yeah. really, and she's dejected, and yeah, you know, Scott... and he and he just kind of walks out of the scene. Yep. 
Um, yeah, I'd like to ask you guys, yeah, what do ahead. you feel of the of the of the removal of the background for it to go straight to black? And is that something that you could do in any other film but in this genre? If you're watching a straight dramatic film, I see that yeah, Sam's holding up the comic book. Oh yeah, the comic uh, you, book you think yeah. like if you're watching, say, a Rocky, a just like a standard dramatic film, if you're having a character moment, you can just wipe out the background like that i think it takes a, a, a film that is partially based in fantasy yeah it would yeah, it would take me out of the scene for that technique it, to work i don't know so i need to know that it needs to be based in fantasy as much as it needs to be based in the existing technique that you, that's already been established it, in the established film. rules of this world if it's, um, if it's from of point the of film the not necessarily of the of the of the world just of the film this is something the film is going sure. to do and that's the way it's done and you're already um Right, you know, seen things like that, but if not, uh, if that wasn't established, it would take me out of the film. Well, Brian it would Sam, be weird. You guys liked it, Ryan. Sam, you guys like the cut to black background? Yeah, I, I, I love the way it reflects the emotional feeling of your whole world dropping away yeah. in that moment. Yeah, the emptiness and you're just was left great. Completely alone in darkness. I, I, I pointed out the the book though because Knives is in white and Scott is in black in those scenes from panel to mm -hmm. panel. But what it also does for me is that, um, like you guys are just saying, is in the other scenes where we've had this uh, focus in the music store of what's going on in the background, there's always been a lot to pick at what's going on in the background. This kind of takes you out of that as well and just brings you to the moment itself and shows you that now you, you only have one thing to focus on now, and that's her heartbreaking. You know, her, you know, just her world is, is gone. Drooping down into her you know her shoulders, and, and Scott just kind of like, yeah, it's just not going to work out. And now he's got that kind of uncomfortable look, and he's almost, okay, I've done what I need to do. I'm out of here. And the yep. minute ends with him avoiding eye contact with her. He hasn't flown out of the scene yet, but that, that kind of happens right as the minute it's, transitions. It's right there, yeah. so. and Which is a nice breaking point for us for the week. We always like it when the minute ends. <laughs> <laughs> right in the scene. There, there was, we've, we've been in the record store before, and there was a significant amount of detail in here around the, specifically the music genres. Mm -hmm. uh, and this one, it's the, it's pretty much the same one or two. It's pop rock, and I think you see metal at some point yep. in this. Um, okay. And um, you right. get, uh, it's just not there. It's kind of the same thing kind of over and over. The only detail I did notice in this is that the Clash at Demon Head is Everywhere, everywhere, yeah, okay. everywhere. They are on every pillar. They're in the stand up behind them. They're all over the place in in the music store. Yeah, because they're getting ready to play, so we're going to see them soon. So they're starting to get more and more in the forefront. And the new album. And all that. Yeah. Um, I I only picked up on two CDs in the racks that I could actually see words on. One was a Beck album with a title of that. I don't know Beck's discology, so I don't I don't mm -hmm. know what album it was and there was also something called terminal uh that was pretty centered in that frame yeah, I and i think that. that was and i want to believe it was indicative of that relationship is terminal sure yeah uh dave canfield anything else uh, you got on this minute i know you got well, lots of as, we're, as we're closing out you know um you know this is my last uh episode but uh Nice. I mean, it's not often that you see a character, a Can an Asian Canadian teenage girl with spunk, vigor, and revenge on her mind, within all within the course of a film. Mm -hmm. I, I think she's a, it's a terrific performance. I think she's a fascinating actress. I was wondering what you thought of her, and if you've seen her in in other films, because I'm looking. I looked at her filmography right here. 
I actually haven't seen her. She's a long filmography, but I haven't seen her or anything. How about you guys? Yeah, I personally haven't uh, seen her in anything else. I'm looking at the list, uh, but uh, but no, I can echo what for this film. Uh, just the the range she has uh, from just perfectly playing that naive, you know, teenager to then going on, you know, full crazy as we'll get to see, uh, and obsessive. <laughs> But, Have uh, you guys? Sam, you said you saw her in something else. Uh, I saw her in, on Dark Matter. It's a sci-fi, uh, kind of a space opera type show on the Sci-Fi Channel, mm-hmm. and I really liked her on that. She plays uh, like a, a badass ninja in <laughs> that, uh, which uh, maybe they saw something in this role and says she could do that. I don't know. I get that. <laughs> yeah, I, I like her a lot. Uh, I think she's great at portraying. Um, sense of that character and then the the turn she takes and we talked about uh her and uh was it kim pine at the beginning where like or mary elizabeth said like they're they're the actors are older than michael sarah is actually (laughs) right all of them are yeah yeah (laughs) anything else uh dave castile on this minute so there was there was one little detail that you see in the in like the first couple of seconds and if you look at uh her belt buckle she has the double cherry belt buckle which as a, a video game reference to uh Mario Brothers yep and in Mario Brothers what happens with the with the double cherry is it's a clone when you get that you get cloned just remember that for when we go into the future minutes here now we didn't see. We talked about before that her uh, clothing style in the book was to match uh, Kim's, and it actually, if you looked at it in these scenes, was very similar to what Kim wears. So there was a uh, some matching there as well. But uh, no, we know where this. Well, we don't know where this is going, or do we? So. Can I do a lightning round question for you guys? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So, what video game systems did you own? Oh gosh, I had my I had Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Um. The first Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and then I was without consoles up until I got the PlayStation. Uh, Xbox the PS One, I think, was what you had. Yeah, the PS One, yeah. and then I've had most of the the modern game, consoles, the modern ones. Then, but of the old school ones, you know, up, yeah, I didn't. I've uh, somebody else in the neighborhood would always have the other one, so it's like I, would, ha, I got right. this one, so this guy got the Sega Saturn while I had this, you know, things like that. Yeah. Sega Saturn, there's a lost one, one lost in time. <laughs> Dave Castile, what video game systems did you have? So I grew up on the on the Ataris on the twenty six hundred. I did not actually own my next. Uh, personal console to where I owned it until I was in my 30s. Uh, and what? It was the PS3. Now I've I've been around video games my entire life. I've been um, I've been in the industry. I've been through. I spent many many years actually in the video game industry. But I've been a PC gamer guy. Right. And I actually worked through. Uh, if for those that are they're in. Uh, I grew up in Southern California. So if you if you're familiar with Southern California, which I'm guessing you may be. Dave, uh, if you remember the old the old warehouse uh, music stores, music movies, and more, uh, Amoeba. That's pretty much all I know. In California. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, so but it was they had they would they were the first ones to start out renting out game systems where you could go uh-huh. and you could rent it out for two or three days. And when they started doing that, I was working there, and my job was actually what they called a video game counselor, uh, working re- retail, and my job was to work with people on 
which game fit them and things like that. Really? So I knew the old, yeah, it was the old Sega and the Super Nintendo. So I, I didn't own them, but I had extreme amount of exposure to them. Mm-hmm. Sam, what about yeah. you? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I started off with uh, 2600 and then we had Nobody had Atari 7800 or what was that one? That other big Atari upgrade? No, because by then we were getting into Nintendo. Yeah. You had the 26 and then you had, there was a 5000 series, then they went to 78 and then Atari actually, so I know Atari uh, because they actually went and stopped their console line for a while and went on to computers. And they had at the same time that the the Macintosh, the Amiga, and then the Atari line came out with the Atari ST, which was... Uh, graphically, actually, the superior system, mm-hmm. uh, but the right. name Atari killed it. Uh, you had some weird Amiga people out there that just had no idea what they were talking about. Dave and I have had this um, this discussion. I, like, Sam's been beat down on this for so long now that so, he just but, he still thinks so, he can win. So, so I, you, you had the Atari first, and then where did you move yeah, on to? Atari, uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Nintendo, Sega Master System, and then nothing until Dreamcast. Yeah, well, and we, then I haven't had any, and then. I guess I technically did get an Xbox, but it was only so I could stream video from. Like, oh, you haven't really played it. I haven't played it. So I think between all of us, we had the systems because I came in at the very tail end, the very ending of Atari. You know, mm-hmm. like when when it was on its way out. So Atari in television, we had. I always wanted ColecoVision. Always wanted it. It looked, it looked amazing. Yep. You know, like I was very young, but ColecoVision looked amazing. Missed NES, but got the Sega Master System. Mm-hmm. Missed Genesis, but got Super, but got Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3, and that's where it all ended. Yeah, when we all lived so. together, Dave uh, and Sam and I lived together for two, we were roommates two, for several years. Two, early year 90s. Period. Waking and, up in the uh, summer. Late 90s, sorry. They do in the movies. Yeah, late 90s. And we, yeah, one mattress in, in a small room. But <laughs> but we had in the house at one point the PlayStation. We cuddled with Brian because he was the warmest and the fastest. I, I was, I was. <laughs> <laughs> but we had that, uh, the PlayStation 1. Um, the Dreamcast, and I think we had a Nintendo 64 in the house. So you all had one. <laughs> yeah, had the, I don't think we had a 64. I we remember 64. one being there. I just don't know I think who someone well, brought over something for Sam's. Oh, Sam's I, I, brother, Jake, brought one over. Frequently. Are was. we still recording this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, no, that's our sidetrack on games. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, where was your context for this, Canfield? Because this whole movie deals so much with gaming, mm-hmm. and it deals with game systems, and and uh, and I feel like it's part of generations born in mid to late seventies and afterward that gaming is part of your life, and consoles yeah. are part of your life, and you mm-hmm. see a lot of references to Nintendo and other games within this. So, which is why I brought that up to tie us back to we you know, how video games played into our lives. And for the for the three of us, absolutely, we. Basically, became and stayed friends because of video games. That's I how, think that is a safe thing. To, and we all like each other, and we all, you know, we're we're fairly like minded, uh, and we we tolerate Sam. Um, and <laughs> but no, but we were. I, it's from our concept. It's probably safe to say we were mostly PC gamers right. more mm-hmm. than console. Um, when we all, we did when do, we, all met, we did do console, yeah. but most mm-hmm. of the console was either fighting games or sports games. Right. Um, because we played a hell. What was was it? Tekken was that what we played on the Dreamcasters? Soul Sam, that you had Soul, Soul Calibur. That's it. Uh, and then Madden. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, that's I, us. I, I, just to tie this back to the movie, I think what what is so engaging about the way they integrate the the video game effects is 
I don't know if you guys ever done this, but in your daily life, do you do something where you hear a game sound effect, like the <laughs> the, the power up sound effect? Like I just I just succeeded at something. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I do, yeah, I like, do those exact two. Finish him and get over here all the time. <laughs> There's so much in the world that fits with it. So I think I do too. watching yep. this Ding. movie, it's yep. it's almost a visceral connection to your entire life in in video games and and just seeing that um, highlighted in the in the outside world at the same time as the internal world. I think is is a brilliant connection right. to make. And and that's not something that comes from the books. That's something that Edgar, Edgar Wright integrated. Yeah. Very good. I love it. So. Any other yeah. thoughts on this minute or this week? Dave, it's been a pleasure having you here. We really enjoyed this, hey, this week. Thank you so and, much. Uh, this were, is this has been, been awesome. You're you're welcome back at any time. We play a real quick trip down memory lane. Um, it was months and months ago that, you know, listening to your podcast and, and listening to the Star Wars Minute, Indiana Jones Minute, and thinking that you guys would make a hell of a minute-by-minute minute podcast. And simultaneously, you guys were thinking about doing a Scott Pilgrim podcast. Mm -hmm. And you, this is like the perfect combination. You guys in a minute-by-minute minute podcast of Scott Pilgrim. So I'm glad you're doing it. I'm glad to be a listener and a guest this week. Very good. No, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. And uh, so, all right. So how, uh, Dave uh, Castile, can people communicate and participate with this show? Uh, <laughs> uh, we are on the Twitter at Scott versus Minute. We are on the interwebs at scottversusminute.com. We are on Facebook. You can find us at Scott versus Minute. You can email us at scottversusminute at gmail.com. Go on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe there. Uh, just look Scott versus Minute. You'll find us there. And give us some... Uh, stars and reviews we'd appreciate that so sam how can uh, they find us elsewhere you can find brian and i reviewing obscure streaming movies at streamingnonsense.com very good and dave campfield one last time how can people find you other uh, on twitter at dave campfield one word or just my official website fourth horizon cinema.com very good and you can find uh, dave castile and i at podcastdb.com and also check out moviesbyminutes.com for any other films that are being analyzed one minute at a time. So that's going to do it for this episode, and we will see you all next week. 